0: Praise the Lord. We're continuing in a march down through Acts. God has a plan for us. He loves us. He's always moving, and He's always moving with us to take us with Him. Uh, But sometimes we in our lives we look at other people who are persevering through things, like we see John and Ashley persevering. And and we know with Luke and Morgan with their first baby, and, and it just, you know, with a dad who now is struggling with. Who knows what? Is this end of life? Is it not? And and we wonder sometimes how people do it, right? We always go, how'd they do it? You know, I know that younger parents, I, I've heard them around here sometimes look at, at older parents and parents that have multiple kids and, and maybe they only have one and they see that you've raised multiple kids and they're happy and they're adjusted and they're even faith-filled believers. And and they're like, how in the world did you do it? how did you remain sane how did you remain happily married at the end of it and they wonder and they marvel at your ability to persevere and endure through it right and then there are others that look at older believers and they go man you know you're getting to be about as old as dirt you know and you're still kicking and you're vibrant in your faith and you're you're following the Lord through all these seasons of life through all the challenges of life, how'd you do that without your faith growing dim? How'd you you do that without getting knocked off track? Because I feel I'm being tempted to get knocked off track. And, And then we have believers that look around, and we know that there are believers. There are some of you out here that have stayed in the same church or the same ministry or the same job or the same marriage For 20, 30 years, you've endured, and you've stayed positive, even in the midst of challenge. You've stayed faithful in the midst of challenge. Even when others might want to do what the old country song used to tell us we want to do. You can take this job and do what? Yeah, shove it, right? We ain't working here no more. I ain't doing this no more. I'm not living here no more. By the way, I was in a, one of my early jobs in high school. I worked at a pizzeria for a guy who used to perform in Vegas. <laughs> and, uh, and he was connected to, let's just say, there's a different world. They call it an underworld. But you kind of felt like he was connected there. Anyways, I only worked there for a short time. But part of it is that he played piano and he sang. And so there was a time when we would be working back there and hustling, and we'd come out, we'd sing that song, you can take this job. and you know. <laughs> and it was just the funniest thing because we'd come out of the kitchen dancing and <laughs> could you see me doing that as a kid I don't know I ain't doing this no more and we wonder you know we know some people gut it out there are some people that are so determined and so stubborn that they're gonna suffer all the way they're not looking to anyone for help or encouragement they're not needing any encouragement But we know that when they suffer like that and they endure to the end, they're completely spent, so many of them. And they're bitter and they're angry and they're depressed in the end. They've lost so much, but they did endure, right? And yet others just seem to be built or gifted for the long haul. They're fueled by something that's different, something that renews their strength, something that keeps them fresh, keeps them on track causes them to run their, way, their race in life in such a way as to win the prize. And they hit the finish line, and they're leaning into it instead of being dragged across it or crawling across it. See, what do you and I need to experience to persevere like that? What do we need to experience to be able to persevere like that? That's where we're at in our, our study here. In acts man it's so cool that this Bible speaks to our real life issues isn't it at the beginning uh, of the, our chapter today which is Acts 18 the Apostle Paul is leaving Athens he was in this town he's been traveling on his second missionary journey and he's leaving Athens this great intellectual town where he had marginal uh, success and it was tough and he's traveling to Corinth which is you know that's a hot place man You know, Las Vegas had nothing on Corinth. Las Vegas was, I mean, Corinth was the original sin city, let me tell you. And so by the time Paul arrives in Corinth, he has so many different reasons to be discouraged and and to be fearful in his ministry. And I don't know if you realize that. Some of us think that, that Paul was a tough guy, and he was a tough guy. He was built for what he was called to do, but he was a real human being. And real human beings are real human beings. They have feelings and emotions, they have dreams, they have flesh and blood, they have ceilings, they have floors. And so I want you to remember some things as we go back and look back uh, in the book of Acts, and as we consider the state of mind and being that Paul might have been in. I want you to remember his call. In Acts chapter nine, verses 15 through 16, this is what God said to him when he called him to ministry. And he called him into a relationship with himself. He said, he is a chosen instrument of mine. He's, and this isn't going to be up on the screen. I'm sorry. You're not going to get this. We're just kind of reviewing. He is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. I don't know if all of us are like, I'm lining up for that calling, you know, but that was his calling. And we've seen the sobering reality of that prophecy happening in his life, city after city, right? Then in Acts 13, verses 50 through 52, in Paul's first missionary journey, when he was in Antioch, you know that persecution broke out. It was instigated by the Jews. And Paul had to finally just say, look, and I'm shaking the dust off of my feet and off of myself, and I'm leaving here, and I'm heading to another town. And he went to Iconium. Then in acts 14 5 they attempt to stone the missionary team i don't know if you've ever been attacked as a group of christians i know i don't think i've ever been attacked i've had friends that have been attacked because they were believers but that's kind of a frightening thing when you're within a mob and they turn on you and that's what they did and they were going to try to stone them but they escaped just in time and then in acts 14 19 through 22 they fled they fled now to this town called Lystrum. Paul heals a guy who had been lame. However, this time, they do stone him. He's done this great miracle, and now he's stoned, and they think they stoned him to death, and they left him for dead. But that's the great place, remember? When they left him for dead outside the city, somehow God raised him up, he revived, he gets up, shakes off the dust, and he runs back into Lindstrom. The place where they... They stoned him. And he goes back to finish the job of witnessing to them. I love that. I love it. And he says that he encouraged them, the scripture says he encouraged them to continue in the faith, saying, Through many tribulations we must endure and enter the kingdom of God. Wouldn't you say that Paul was an expert in tribulation? He was, wasn't he? But he told them this is what, but he endured. How did Paul endure? How did he persevere how does he keep coming back and then we know in acts 15 there's a different type of persecution or a different type of tribulation because it's internal and there's a there's a debate a great debate amongst the church about what does it mean to be saved and is circumcision something we should require gentiles to go through and you know that those discussions get heated they get stressful some of you the way you're wired as mercy motivated, or the way you're wired as helpers and people that love to take care of people, that stresses you out to the max. Some of us who are more challengers and debaters, we love that stuff, but the rest of you don't. You want to, like, escape it. It was hard on Paul, and Paul probably was a bit of a debater, but it was hard on him nonetheless. So this pain follows him. And then what happens after this great debate? Him and Barnabas, his buddy, have a falling out over whether they should take a young disciple with them on a missionary trip. A young disciple who kind of failed last time and bailed on him. And Paul said no, and Barnabas said yes, and they parted ways. Those are tough things to endure. It's hard. Thankfully, that all resolved in time, but it was hard then so this so you see that these things are happening not to mention the pattern that kept repeating itself in their ministry you found as these disciples went forward through the book of acts they have and grant pointed it out they have success and then there's jealous opposition from the jews and then there's painful persecution and it happens like that time and time again we have great success then we have jealous opposition and then painful persecution in one form or the other. They were beaten with rods. They were imprisoned in Philippi. They were hidden uh, by, and snuck out by brethren in Thessalonica. When an angry mob came after them, they snuck out again from Berea. They were chased there by the same folks who sent them on their way from Athens. They, they're, they're in this stuff time and time again. And in Athens, once he just left, and now he's come to Corinth, but in Athens, he was only marginally successful. So he's kind of dealing with the fact of, hey, things didn't go so well for me there. My ministry didn't go so well for me there. And so here we are, he gets to Corinth. And Paul, if you read, you'll read the first verse here, it'll tell you he's alone. He's ministering by himself. How many of you like to be alone? Some of you want some alone time now, huh? Yeah. But to be too alone is to be too alone. And he's alone on the road. He's alone. So he's ministering by himself. He's probably feeling lonely. He's living out of a suitcase. He's in a brand new place. He's physically exhausted. He's probably still suffering from some of the beatings. Because they, they could have caused injuries. You know, it takes a while to recover from being stoned, right? And being beat with rods. He has new challenges ahead. He, and he finds himself in this depressing place Corinth, the sex capital, where all sorts of debauchery occurred. A seafaring uh, gathering place that was all about just let's sin and let's sin big. And there he is and on top of it his money's running out so he doesn't have much time for ministry this what he's been called to do and he's having to work to support himself so he's going back to tent making right one commentator said this about paul and he described him he says that paul himself described what it was like for him in corinth in those early days and he shows us that in his first letter to thessalonica in thessalonians in 1 thessalonians 3 7 it says he uses words like distress. I was in great distress. And then in his letter back to the Corinthian church, which he's in Corinth now, he writes back to them and he talks about how, what he was like when he was with them. And he says, I came in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. Does that sound like a Superman to you? Sounds like a normal human being, doesn't it? It sounds like a, a person who's really taken a lot of licks in their ministry and in their calling in their life. But somehow he keeps going. He keeps going. Why does he keep going? Is it because there's, he's just so different than us that there's nothing going to keep him down? Or is there something special that's occurring that's helping him to keep going? We all face situations, don't we? Paul had every reason to be discouraged. He had every reason to throw in the towel. And we all do too at times. We face situations where we need something more than what we have. And what we need is divine encouragement. Somebody say amen to that. That's what we need to keep going in our relationship with Jesus. Sometimes we're struggling in our relationships with each other. And we need divine encouragement to keep going in our relationship with others. And sometimes we feel that discouragement in ministry. Uh, And and serving others and, and following the call we believe God's made on our lives. But we need encouragement. See, perseverance in these things comes and is sustained by divine encouragement. And we need that and God knows we need that. So how does he bring it? How does God provide this kind of encouragement when we need it? And some of us feel like, well, maybe God doesn't provide it. But I'm here to tell you he does. We have to look for it. We've got to participate with him. There's some things that need to happen to receive that encouragement. And it's not like it's great work, but there are some keys. So we want to read together how God brought that encouragement to Paul, and he brought it when he needed it. So if you've got a Bible, you can open to Acts chapter 18. We're only going to read the first 11 verses and find out four ways that God brought encouragement into his life. Let's look at it. Read with me. After this, Paul left Athens, and he went to Corinth. And there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. So that had pushed him out, and he came and showed up at the same time as Paul. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and he worked with them every sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade jews and greeks when silas and timothy came from macedonia because you know they were supposed to beat paul there and uh, it, it took a while for them to finally get to corinth but once they showed up it says paul devoted himself exclusively then to preaching testifying to the jews that jesus was the messiah but when they opposed paul and they became abusive he shook off his clothes and protest and said to them your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue. He didn't go too far because he went to the next door. To the house of Titus, Justus, a worshiper of God. Was a Greek. Went to the Gentiles. But as it be, Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord and they came to faith. And many of the corinthians who heard paul preach and teach believed too and were baptized big difference in corinth than there was in athens and then it goes on one night the lord spoke to paul in a vision do not be afraid keep on speaking do not be silent god does not tell you those things if you aren't experiencing some of that that apprehension and that fear And this is what the Lord continued to say, for I am with you and no one is going to attack you and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Stayed a long time. Wow. I don't know, at first glance, you don't really see the encouragement, do you? You kind of might miss it if you just kind of read over it. But I want you to consider... How did God encourage him? Because God wants to encourage you and me that way too. Paul needed encouragement in a big way, didn't he? How did he find it? How did God provide it? Well, I want to ask you a couple other questions. How did Paul get to Corinth and why did he go there? How did he get there in the first place? Why did he decide to go from Athens to Corinth? Why did he do that? Well, here's the answer. He knew who he was. He knew what he was called to do. He knew the ministry he was to fulfill with his life. And so Paul simply stayed obedient to that vision, obedient to that call, faithful to the Lord. And what did God do? God orchestrated in that faithfulness and that obedience a new friendship and partnership between him and Aquila and Priscilla. He did it in Corinth because he brought them all there at the same time because he knew that they all needed encouragement. Isn't that cool? The Lord brought them together somehow. and When they met, this connection was formed because they had like callings, like giftings, and even like businesses. So Aquila and Priscilla were forced to leave, but it was really the sovereignty of God that was at work. How is God working in your sovereignty? Maybe forcing you somewhere, but he wants to force you there to encourage you. He wants to force you there to be an encouragement to others and they need you. But you might be missing it. How's God doing that right now? Because he was surely doing it in their lives. They met, they began to add up what was going on here and then Aquila and Priscilla graciously invited Paul into their home and included them in their business and they met one another's needs and they were on their way. What encouragement for Paul. What encouragement for Aquila and Priscilla. They once again had support and fellowship in their ministry. They had that support they needed to go on. See, I want you to know something this morning, our first point. God knows what you need, and he knows how to meet your need of encouragement. God knows. Can God meet your need in a little church like this? You betcha. It was a little church like this, that God called Jody back to and she wasn't sure God was going to meet her need or encourage her but guess what God had called me there too and when we met it was just like ee. man I just wanted to get back and find out who this gal was I could not wait to see her again and she felt the same way because God knew it was time and he knew that we needed that encouragement it was time. See God knows how to do it. See one of the first ways he brings us this encouragement is through new ministry partners and that's your first point really. He intends you for you and I to connect with people so that we might be able to persevere and follow him in our calling. And he knows that we need other people. We need other people. So what happened between Paul and Aquila and Priscilla in Corinth was no coincidence. It didn't happen by happenstance. It was the gracious act of God to bring encouragement to them all, the encouragement they needed. And, and you've seen that, and I've seen that. And that encouragement keeps us on course. How do you need him to do that for you today? How do you need him to do that for you today? You know, there are young adults, single adults that are here who need the encouragement of a soulmate. It wasn't just Jody and I that God was going to work in. He's going to work in your life too. Commit it to him. Ask him for that encouragement. Ask him to make that connection. He'll do it. There are people here today that might need a friend. Need a friend for encouragement and sharpening. Ask the Lord to bring you a friend. Ask the Lord to make you a friend. That's just as good. And you'll find a friend. God will bring a friend, and God will make you into a friend. There are people here who are serving in ministry who feel somewhat alone. God doesn't want you to feel alone, but you do feel alone, and I understand what that means to be alone. You need support, you need encouragement of other people serving beside you. Ask the Lord to meet that need. Ask the Lord whether you can meet that need for others so that they're not alone. You know, God says it's not good for man or woman to be alone. He knows that we do better with others, and we need others. And so ask him, how can I grow to be a friend or be a partner, and how can I receive other people into my life as friends or as partners? Are you asking God for those people while you're staying faithful to do his will and follow his call? Because that's so important. That's part of it. And are those people, think about it, are they right around you? Are they right in front of you if you would open your eyes of faith? Would they be there just like they were for Paul? I'm here to tell you this scripture is an encouragement to you today. God will work in your life as he did in Paul's life. Look for those people and be that person. Well, next, God brought encouragement in a different way. When when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, It says that Paul began to devote himself completely to the Word. But God knew that he needed the encouragement of old or existing ministry partners. So that's the other way he brings encouragement, is he connects us again with old and existing ministry partners, because we need them. And so when they come down, he devotes himself completely to the Word, and he solemnly, it says, testifies to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Well, why was Paul able to do that all of a sudden? Because all of a sudden he switches gears. Before he was working all week and then sharing on the, on the Sabbath. Now he's sharing all the time, not just the Sabbath. Well, I'm here to tell you that the scripture tells us why Silas and Timothy brought with him, not only themselves, but they brought the comfort not only the comfort of being old familiar friends, but they brought a financial gift from the church in Thessalonica and Berea. They brought funds. They brought income. Paul mentions this in his second letter to the Corinthian church. In chapter 11, verse 9, he says, and when I was with you, Corinthians, people, and I needed something, I was not a burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia, they supplied what I needed. They brought it so i could minister fruitfully in your midst silas and timothy brought that gift so he could devote more time to his missionary efforts you know you you only have so much time so much ability and so if you need to spend more time in ministry you need some form of income there's nothing like an old friend nothing like old ministry partners to know what you need when it comes to encouragement and when it comes to help keeping you on track in ministry See, new ministry, ministry partners are great. They're awesome, but they never replace the older existing ones, Right? And they never do. You need them both. You need them both. They play a, a unique role to keep us focused, to keep us encouraged, to keep us persevering with God and persevering in our ministry. And so we, we do need them both, and so let's look for encouragement from them both. But let's move on. Sometimes... We have to move on to others though in our ministry because that will bring encouragement as well. As Paul's custom was, remember, he preached the message of Jesus as a Messiah in the synagogue and he would go to the Jews first, preach it. Once they would throw a fit, then he would head to the Gentiles. So he did the same in Corinth. He did the same thing, but they got abusive. They opposed him and so he takes off. Right? Why stick around beating a dead horse if, if they're becoming hostile and vicious? And you get that picture, right? A dead horse is dead. So no matter how hard you hit him or whip him, he's not moving. And if it becomes that way and they're trying to beat you up because they don't want to hear, well then I suppose you need to move on, right? It would tell you It's time to move on. And so that's what he did. But I love the fact that he didn't go very far. He said, okay, I'm done with this. And it's, what was that movie where they had two restaurants 100 feet apart? 100 foot journey. This was a 100 foot journey. Because Paul goes next door. All right, I'm going here. Preached the same message next door. I loved that. It was just across the street. And so that's where he went. And he went to Titus's home, a worshiper of God. And when he went there, just across the street, everything changed. They believed his message. They came to Christ. They were baptized. Even the synagogue leader who was back across the street came to know Christ and was baptized. He was, see, things took took the momentum, went forward. There was power now. Our passage tells us that many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed. Paul wasn't only effective in ministry again, he was also encouraged in ministry again. And see, that's what new converts uh, in the faith, new people do. They encourage you. New people coming to the church are encouragement. And we want new people to come to the church. We want new people to get involved in our ministry because they bring with it just encouragement. It's fun. It's encouraging to join with others, to share new testimonies, to express why, you know, I I get a kick listening to people who are new to the church express why they love our church, why they love our fellowship, why they love being here and want to be here. It's such a blessing and it's such an encouragement and new people do that all the time. Um, And if you've never had a chance to meet any of the new folks that are around here, you need to do so and hear why they're here and hear how God brought them here because that's an encouraging message. New people, new believers do that for us. They bring encouragement and they brought encouragement to Paul as well. Hey, I'm really where I need to be, but lastly, encouragement came from the lord jesus himself and we need that encouragement from him personally our scripture tells us that jesus spoke to paul in a vision and i want you to consider we read that vision i want you to consider the ways that he encouraged paul in that vision while paul was in the midst of work and oppositions he was in the midst of the highs and lows of ministry and his own emotional highs and lows I want you to see again, as you look back to that verse, in verse 9, how did Jesus encourage him? This is what he did. These are the four things he did. He confirmed Paul's direction. He said to him, what you're doing in ministry is right. Keep doing it. He affirmed his direction. And sometimes we just need somebody to tell us, you're doing the right stuff. Keep practicing it. Keep doing it. Number two, he confirmed his presence. I am with you. Do not be afraid. Do you have any worries if the Lord Jesus himself says he's with you? What what do you worry about when the creator of the universe says, hey, I'm right here? Think about it. You have nothing to worry about. You ever felt the confidence of having the right person right next to you in a challenging situation? It's great, huh? You know, it's great. I can remember times, if my dad was next to me, I didn't have a worry in the world. I can remember times when I was trying to fight older kids when I was younger. If my sister, older sister, was up watching, I had no worry in the world. Because if anything went south, she'd be off the porch so quick, whipping, you know what, because she was like that, that I wouldn't have to worry. And I know you laugh, you go, oh man, you had to rely on a girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was awesome she was awesome you know so if Jesus is with you what do you have to worry about come on and then three Jesus confirmed his protection again not only do you have the Almighty on your side he said he goes I have human reinforcements in this city that you don't know about I'm out ahead of you and I'm telling you no one's gonna attack you no one's gonna hurt you Wow That gives you confidence. And then finally, Jesus confirms his purpose. I am out ahead of you. And these people are here because I'm out ahead of you. And I'm going to move the kingdom forward. I'm going to build the church. I have a purpose here. I'm already here. Some of this stuff is just about you. Just walking it through. And it'll be done. What encouragement that brings. I always love it when the Lord speaks Clearly like that and and lifts me up when I'm in a kind of a discouraging time or meeting a big challenge just to know that he's there that I'm going the right direction his presence is with me I have his protection and his purposes are to include me and he's out ahead of all of us so Paul it says settled in for a year and a half he stayed longer than almost anywhere else he taught them the word of God because they needed the word of God in that place. He might have been tempted to bell out much earlier from Corinth, because Corinth was a hard place to be in, but Jesus' encouragement in that vision, along with these other avenues of encouragement, it it resolved his fears, and it helped him to settle in for the long haul. It helped him to settle in for the long haul, and the great blessings that come when you stay and go the distance and sometimes we're to stay and go the distance we're to persevere right sometimes the lord says hey this is enough you move here but many other times he says stay the course and trust me so as we conclude this morning i, I want to kind of include with a with a little story just to encourage you to, st- to stay the course and keep going you know there was this old man shoveling the snow in his driveway and two boys came up with their shovels and they approached him and they said hey Shovel your, shovel your snow, mister. And the guy looks at him, kind of puzzled and goes, oh, can't you see I'm shoveling my snow? <coughs> and then the other young kid pipes up, well, yeah, that's why I ask you to shovel your snow, because most people, they shovel half their snow, and then they're looking for a way to quit. So we're here asking, you want us to shovel your snow, mister? And most old dudes would say, yeah, finish it, right? Amen? Raise your hand if you're one of them. There we go. So they were right, because most of the time we do feel like quitting. Dr. Edmund used to say to his students at Wheaton, Illinois, at the college there, he said, it's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. You've been in a marriage five years and you're struggling? Hold on until you've been in a marriage ten years. Amen? You've been in a marriage ten years? Hold on until you've been in it for 15 years. Marriage tends to change. Somebody say amen to that. (laughs) Hold on, right? (laughs) Okay, that was pretty exuberant back there. (laughs) Hold on. Work at it. Look for God's encouragement. Look for God's way. Grow, learn. Things have a way of changing. It's always too soon to quit. Spurgeon used to remind his congregation in London, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark that's cool i couldn't imagine being a snail or a turtle or any of those things that move slow but by perseverance they reach the ark keep going we need godly encouragement godly encouragement fuels us it sustains our perseverance and we need to feed on that that's why we need to stay in his word and stay in prayer we don't just need it in our head see you know it's so funny you know we get you know brady was crying up here as he's talking and, and worshiping. Why is he doing that? He's doing that not because he believes in a philosophy in his head, not because he believes in a truth in his head, but he's experiencing a relationship in his heart with someone who is there. Amen. Amen. And when you see things in your heart, because your heart is open and you see things there, not just here. And it's so great and so vast, you can't help. I heard one person say, it breaks the back of words. It's too heavy for words, they can't carry it. And so, emotion and groans too deep for words and prayer are what come out. And that's what we've been called to. See, Jesus has said, and and now I'm going to be preaching and something else. Okay, sorry, Lord, but God bless us all. Revelation 3.20, he said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Where's he standing? At the door of the heart and knocking. And he's talking to a, a church, a believer church. And somehow Jesus has got off the throne of their heart and out of their heart, and he wants back in, and so he's at the door and he's knocking. It says, whoever hears my voice not just in your head, but in your heart, and opens your heart, your door to me, I will come in and be with him and he with me. He told him this, look at you need to realize how far you have fallen because you have pushed me out of your heart. You might have me in your head still, but I'm not in your heart. You might be thinking about the truth still, but you're not experiencing the fellowship of my presence in you. See, we need that. We need that from the Lord. And, I, and when God gives us a vision, that brings it all back. It puts us on the straight and narrow again. So, as we consider this godly encouragement that we need to fuel, fuel our, super, our, our perseverance, our passage shows us again that we've got to hold on to what we've been called to and where God has led us so that we know the ministry we're to accomplish and as we stay with it he'll bring new ministry partners and friends into our lives seek them and then be those new partners and friends to others but he'll also maintain our focus in what we're doing in ministry by bringing back older existing partners develop those partners you have now go deeper with them but also know some will come back in that time that you need them and, and maybe you're to also help them too so Be open to that and then there's the blessing of new converts be open to new friends new people never kind of close your door on your relationships because new people and new converts bring ministry momentum and they bring life momentum they keep us moving forward and then finally as we persevere in ministry jesus really does promise his presence his protection his favor and to keep us in his purpose. Amen? I want you to stand with me as we close in prayer. I don't know what kind of encouragement you need this morning. Do you need to hear that it's too soon for you to quit? Do you need to hear God's bringing encouragement your way? Look for it. Trust him for it. Do you need to hear maybe you're the one to be the encouragement to others? And if you hook back into what God's called you to, You will be that encouragement to others. What do you need to hear, or do you need a vision from the Lord? Actually have a dream where he speaks to you. Actually spend time in prayer and and open up your heart and, and see him and hear him in your heart. Ask him for those things and receive it from him this morning. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we just bless you and praise you for this passage. We thank you, God, for encouraging and lifting Paul up, for caring so much for his needs and his ministry as he served you and as he suffered for you. God, we thank you for that. Lord, thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. We're never out of your hand. But God, may we fellowship with you in that deepest part of ourselves and not push you out of our heart. Help us not to just keep you in our mind and out of our heart or out of our spirit. Lord, wherever we're tempted to quit, help us to stay and and to only quit when you lead us to. Lord, that we might be the encouragement that you want us to be, that we might receive the blessings you desire, and that we might be the blessing you want us to be in the lives of others. So, Father, we just praise you today. And we thank you for bringing us the encouragement we need just when we need it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and we all said together, amen, amen. Amen. And let's let's stop one more time. And Lord, we just want to say thank you for all the healing you're doing in Elsie's life. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you love her, and we love her too. And we just pray that you would heal her and that you would show her that love, that you would bless her and bless her family and show them your love that you would do immeasurably more than we could ask or think. Because you go into the deep parts, not just the head, but in the heart, and do business. And so thank you, Jesus, for that. We bless you and we praise you. Amen. Amen. Amen.